Welcome to the New Hope Leeward podcast. Well, good morning, New Hope Leeward. Can you make some noise this morning if you're here at Kapolei? Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Josiah Norgan. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. As always, welcome those of you here at Kapolei. Welcome those of you joining us for Leeward Online here in our islands, mainland, all around the world. We're so glad that you're here. And real quick, I want to address our mainland friends and those in other countries. I'm going to ask that if you live in other parts of the world, uh, that you would pray for us here in Hawaii because there are only two states right now that have a blizzard warning. Did you know this? Um, Alaska, which obviously that makes sense, and the other one is actually Hawaii, okay? You can look this up. Granted, it's only on the volcanoes on another island, but still, pray for us because we are freezing here in Hawaii, amen? It's like 62 degrees. Some of us don't even own pants, right? So we're trying to figure that out. I used my heater in the car for the first time. I didn't even know how to use the heater. Like I was literally trying to figure it out. So we are all struggling. And I know that uh, those of you on the mainland, you don't feel any sympathy for us at all. You know what I hate? I hate when, this happens every year. Every single year, it hits like 62 degrees and we all freak out like it never happens. And we have to post on Facebook how cold it is, right? And whenever we do, our friends that have moved away from Hawaii that live on the mainland have to one-up us, right? So if we're like, oh my gosh, 60 degrees, they're like, yeah, well, actually, it's 20 degrees where I am, right? So they have to, have to one-up us. And I just want to say something to that real quick, okay? First of all, nobody told you to move, Mary, okay? So jot that down. <laughs> Number two, 60 degrees here in Hawaii is like 10 degrees on the mainland. Can I get an amen? And finally, uh, a gallon of milk is about $400 right now. And a cardboard box in Eva Beach is going for 900000 So we pay a lot of money to complain about the weather once a year. Can I get an amen? Okay, amen. Okay, good. Feels good to get that off my chest, okay? Um, <laughs> to our mainland uh, family, social distance, Tony Honies, we still love you, uh, even though we will make fun of you from time to time. Uh, today, we're continuing on in our series, Jesus Is. Now in this series, you know, instead of, we did an Advent last year, this year, instead of an Advent, we're kind of looking at seven different aspects of Jesus as we get to Christmas. So we've talked through Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is God, Jesus is a revolutionary, uh, Jesus is our soon and coming King. Pastor Jared Oda talked about that last week. Can we give Pastor Jared a hand too as well? He He did a great job last weekend. And today we're going to talk about Jesus is our comforter. Now, um, if you're taking notes today, you can pull those out, or if you're taking notes on your phone, you can pull that out as well. And I want, I want to write this down right up front so you know what we're talking about today. You can write this down. Jesus comforts us in the midst of loss. And we're talking about this today, not because I think it's the most important aspect of Jesus. There are, there are many different aspects of Jesus. We're not going to cover every single one in this series. And I think there's some that are almost more important to understand. So, We're not talking about this today because it's one of the most important aspects of Jesus. We're talking about it because it's one of the most important aspects for you and I to understand right now. I'm going to say that again. We're talking about Jesus being our comforter, not because it's the most important aspect of Jesus, but it's the most important aspect for you and I to understand right now. It's been said that you and I will all live out the book of Job. So the book of Job, you know, he has everything. He loses it in a moment. It's been said that we will all live out the book of Job, but we, most of us, many of us, a majority of us will not live it out all at once, praise God, but instead we'll live out the book of Job over our lifetime. It'll be a a series of losses spread out over a lifetime. 
And I know in the Christmas season, it's not a time of joy for everyone. For some of you, it's a reminder of those that left too soon. For, for many, the holidays, it's a time of grief. It's a time of pain. For many of you, I want to talk about loss and the Lord's comfort. And I, I knew this months ago. I knew months ago that we were going to talk about this. Whatever series we were going to be in, we were going to talk about this because there are many of you that you lost loved ones in these last two years. And you were not able to fly up to see family because of the pandemic. There are some of you that you had to grieve at a distance. You had to grieve on Zoom, and that's just not the same thing. There are some of you here that you had family members pass here in the islands. I know that we, we dealt with this in the church, a lot of us. And there were many of us that we could not hold funeral service, hold funeral services or at least proper ones with everybody. You were not given space to properly grieve and feel. And for all of us, I think we've lived out the uh, book of Job during this pandemic maybe more than any other time in our lives. Some of you did not lose a person in these last two years, but you lost a way of life, a job, security, hope, relationships, marriage, your marriage, uh, faith, your faith, health. One uh, pastor named Albert Tate, he, he's a pastor in California, he said this so well. He said, if you haven't mourned or grieved in this last season, then you're just in denial. If you haven't mourned or grieved in this last season, if you haven't mourned or grieved something because we've all lost so much, then you're just in denial. So let's jump into the text. Turn with me to John 11. And we're gonna be in John 11 pretty much our entire time together today. John 11, I feel like I say this a lot. I, I say a lot of times like, oh, it's my favorite story in the Bible. And I mean it every time I say it, but I think this is like top three. Like if I have like top three favorite stories, it's the story of Lazarus. So let's start off in verse one and we'll kind of take it uh, piece by piece, I'll paraphrase some, start, some parts. It's a longer story. Uh, verse one. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. It's also the same Mary and Martha. Remember, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet listening. Martha's busy and distracted with everything that needs to get done. Same sisters. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. You, you get the impression that Jesus is very close to all three of them. Verse four, when he heard this, Jesus said, he's talking to his disciples, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. Okay, I was gonna paraphrase this part. So just set up the story, paraphrase it. But I, I read this verse, verse five, we'll read it in a moment. Um, and this verse stopped me in my tracks. I've read this verse before, I knew it was there, but you know, sometimes you, you read a verse and it was like the first time you've ever read it and that's kind of how it felt like for me. This is verse five, we can put it up and it's so powerful, I want us to read it all together, nice and loud, ready, go. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. So this went against the prevailing thought during that time that if you were born disabled or if you were sick, that it meant that you had angered God in some way. That was the prevailing thought. That you or your parents, you, somebody angered God at some point and you're being punished for it. And I think it um, still goes against the prevailing thought that you and I have today, although we would never say it. But when you and I go through something, our first response is, why me, God? What have I done? Look at all these things I'm doing for you. We try to make a case for why it's unfair that we're going through it 
in the moment. And um, I actually did this uh, yesterday. So if you follow me on, on Facebook, then you will know this. Um, two days ago, uh, a, a pastor named Pastor Alex Michelle, he's a pastor at, it was once called New Hope Town, now they're called in, um, Encounter Church. He was going out for a jog, just like any normal morning, and he was struck by a motorcycle. He was in a coma yesterday. Um, this morning, we actually got news that he, had, that he had passed away. There's a lot of people that were praying for him yesterday. And this is like really hard news for us, for our staff, because it really feels like one of our own just passed away. And in any pastor that passes away, it's, it's obviously tragic. But some of you know Pastor Alex Michelle because he's, he's spoken at conferences, a conference we had last year. He spoke to our volunteers right before the pandemic. And, and many of you don't know this. In 2016, when we were going through some very rough transitions, he was the one that was speaking to and comforting our staff during the time. He was shepherding our staff. And I remember when I got news, and, 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 and I'm, the only reason I'm not like weeping right now is it still hasn't like sunk in for me yet. But I remember thinking the moment like I found out that he got hit by a motorcycle, I remember thinking, Lord, why him? Like it should, like, why, like out of everybody, like he is so faithful. Like if, if I had a list of my top favorite pastors, he would be there toward the top, still is. And so my first thought was, why him, Lord? That, that feels so unfair. And so it's, it's so strange for me. And when I woke up this morning and I got the news, I wanted to preach even harder. Praise God, I'm not preaching on the joy of the Lord this morning, and I get to preach on the Lord's comfort in loss. That I, that I, I, I got up and I showered, and I was like, I really want to preach this morning, because now it's, it's strange for me to write this message from a place of like, hey, I'm going to share it with you, and now I feel like I'm literally sitting with you. And so I wrote this first part of like, hey, man, everyone's got to understand this first and foremost, but I think I got to understand this too. So you can go ahead and write this down. Your loss does not mean he loves you any less. God still loves Pastor Alex Michelle. He loves his wife, Jen. He loves his four kids. Your loss does not mean he loves you any less. The hard thing about this life is that the faithful, we are not exempt from pain. We are not exempt from loss. We don't, we don't get to escape grief. We might grieve differently as Christians, but we do not get to escape it. It's a normal part of the broken human experience, but it doesn't mean he loves you any less. And for some of you, I, I, I hope that you receive that because I think it's gonna undo some chains that have existed in your heart for five years, 10 years, 20 years because there's pain that you have felt that you have not been able to get over and it's because you feel like God has punished you or he's mad at you or he made this happen on purpose. Jesus loved Lazarus, says it right there in scripture, yet Lazarus got sick. And it seems like his sickness turned a quick tur took a quick turn for the worse, like really quickly. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and and even though Jesus knew he would raise Lazarus. Like we, we know the end of the story. Jesus is gonna raise Lazarus. He would allow these sisters to sit in the void of grief for a couple days. Even though Jesus loves all of them, it seems like he's late in showing up in this story. Verse six. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. 
and then said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So Jesus waits two more days before going to where the sisters are. And it, it may feel as though that God is late sometimes. From a human standpoint, it might feel like God is late. But let me tell you this, he never fails to show up. Would you say amen? He never fails to show up. Skipping ahead to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So Jesus walks into what I would call a hysterical spectacle. He walks in and what's happening is in Jewish culture, it was very much like local culture in that the louder that you were, the more that person was loved. And you might say, well, how is local culture like that? And to that, I would say, have you ever been to a high school graduation? So when they call the name, I always feel bad for kids from the mainland. Like they don't have a lot of family here. So they'll call the kid's name and you'll hear like a couple like scattered claps. Maybe you'll hear dad be like, great job, son. Like, like one guy yells something. But when a local kid is called, like when their name is called, and we all know what happens. And if you don't know what happens, I'm going to tell it to you in the form of a joke. Knock, knock. Chi. Chi. Okay, so I, I did a chi last night and like my throat is still sore from doing it, but I'm going to try, I'm going to try do one. I feel like it's good for my soul. Okay. Okay. So, okay, <laughs> see, some of you, some of you don't believe I was born here, so I got to prove myself every now and then, okay? Christian told me that his, his, uh, that his mom and his sister watched, and he's Samoan, and they, they gave me a thum thumbs up, so I'm certified oos status. I don't know what that means, but I, but I definitely receive it, okay? So in Hawaii, I don't know what it means, but he's raising his hands. He said yes. Okay, I don't know what it means. Don't beat me up. Okay, so... You hear like the chihus, everybody's got the, the foghorn, you have the burr, 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 but everybody has their horn from last year, like they saved it from a last graduation, so it doesn't even work anymore, it's like, like, <laughs> and everybody is just making as much noise as they can. Why? Because it's a contest. It's an unspoken contest, but the louder it is when your kid gets called, the more loved they are. Nobody will say it, but you want to be louder than the family or the person that went before them, okay? And Jewish culture was very much the same way when it came to somebody dying. It was common that you would mourn for days. It was common that you would wear sackcloth. You put ashes on your head. You let everybody know that you're mourning. You would walk around town and you would actually wail through town and make a ton of noise so that everybody knew that you and your family was grieving and that this person was dearly loved. They would even go so far in those days that they would hire professional mourners, people that it was their job to actually show up and, and whine and be dramatic. And I know what you're thinking, what a perfect job for my kids. I know, I had the same thought too, that they just show up and are like, where's the tomb? They're like, it's right there. And they just start making noise, like with instruments and wailing. So Jesus walks in on day four. You might think, okay, day four, maybe it's kind of subsided. Maybe everybody's kind of gotten all their wails out at that point. Well, not so the case. Jewish superstition said that, uh, and, and believe that the soul would hang around the tomb for three days, hoping, 
hoping to return to the body. So on days one and two, there was kind of this like denial uh, kind of in the air. They haven't fully accepted it. That's actually kind of where I am uh, right now in regards to the passing of Alex Michelle. That's kind of where, where I am. I'm on day one and two. Day three, and not because I hope he's going to come back, you understand that, but because of just how we grieve. Day three, grief is heightened. So it's like it looks like the person is not going to come back. Day four, um, there's just nothing left. There's nothing left but despair and acceptance. Jesus walks in on day four. So if you were saving your, your greatest whales, if you didn't bring in the professional mourners yet, now would be the time that you would do it. That's what Jesus walks into. Okay, John 11, verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Okay, so Martha goes out to meet Jesus, and Mary stays home. And just log that for a moment. We'll talk about that in a second. Jesus has some back and forth with Martha and it is, it is absolutely beautiful. He, he listens, he comforts her, he assures her. Like we see Jesus as the wonderful counselor. Like you see it happen in scripture. I, I'm gonna skip past and actually what I really wanna do unless God tells me not to, I really wanna circle back to that exchange next week when we talk about Jesus as our healer. But let's skip ahead. I wanna get to his exchange with Mary. So skipping ahead to verse 28. So she, she meaning Martha, went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Martha heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Okay, think about the beauty of this. I had never realized this before. Lazarus dies and the sisters grieve in two different ways that you and I tend to grieve as believers. Martha runs toward Jesus and Mary stays away. Martha runs toward Jesus. She wants to be with him. She wants to be comforted. And for Mary in the moment, it's just too painful and she stays away. And yet, yet, this is our God. This is the beauty of his heart. Martha runs toward Jesus and what does he do? He comforts her. Mary stays away and what does he do? He calls her. So Martha runs toward Jesus and his arms are open wide. Mary chooses to stay away and Jesus calls her. Why? Because his arms are always open wide. Would you say amen? Jumping back in. Verse 31. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Exact same words that Martha says when she walks up to Jesus, as if these two sisters had been having this conversation for some time. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You could have prevented this. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Okay, pause real quick. So Jesus sees everybody weeping 
and wailing loudly. And as the God of compassion, he feels it. So scripture says that he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled, which means in the, um, actually means in the Greek to snort with anger. So it was like Jesus took a, like a really deep breath right here. So he was moved and then scripture says he was troubled. And that means to be inwardly agitated and restless in the Greek. So they, they bring Jesus over to the tomb and they can visibly see that he is upset on the inside and on the outside. And he's making it known. And he gets to the tomb and, and so begins the, the shortest, most powerful verse in the entire Bible. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Now, Jesus is not wailing like the others. So it's not an unhinged yelling. He's not yelling just to make a lot of noise. So everybody knows how much he loves Lazarus. This is the, in the, in the Greek, the word is dakuro. And it, it literally, it's the only time we find this word. And it literally means to weep quietly. Now, here, here's what I really love uh, about this part too. Um, we actually don't have a clear understanding exactly why Jesus wept. So Jesus weeps two times in scripture. I mean, he probably wept more times than that, but we see it in two times. One time he's riding in on the donkey into Jerusalem and he tells us there exactly why he weeps. The people miss that he is the Messiah. They're gonna revolt against Rome in, uh, in, in the coming years and they're going to be crushed. And Jesus, it's like he, he sees it, he knows it and he weeps over them. Here, Jesus doesn't say anything. So we can really assume, and, and, and there's a lot of different reasons why people think Jesus wept, and it kind of it pinpoints to this, and I think this is a pretty accurate answer. Jesus, although he never sinned, saw the result of sin. He saw death and he saw mourning and he saw broken humanity. And as the God of compassion, he allowed himself. He didn't have to. He knows he's gonna, he's gonna raise Lazarus real soon. He allows himself to actually feel human loss, to feel what they're feeling. And I think this is an example for you and I. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. As Christians, we want to always skip past the weeping and we want to move to laughing. We want to rush past the mourning and we want to move to dancing as if it is unspiritual to mourn or grieve. Again, for people or for things that we have been through or lost. And here we see the God of the universe. The one, it tells us in scripture, he holds all things together. He was there at the beginning. Nothing has been made that hasn't been made through him. We see that in Colossians. He is the alpha, the omega, the author, the finisher of our faith. We, we see him, the God of all power, all authority, who has authority over death, who will raise Lazarus in a moment. We see him pause and stop to take part in human grief. He doesn't condemn them for their lack of faith here. He doesn't try to rush their tears. I was thinking about that. He could have rushed their tears. He could have been like, you know what? Everybody stop crying. I got this. Lazarus, come out. Could have done that. Probably what I would have done in that situation. Why, why waste time grieving when you don't need to? 
but Jesus allows himself. And instead of trying to rush them through that broken space, he steps into it with them. He doesn't treat grief the way that we do. We treat it like this interruption. It's this inconvenience, but he allows himself to feel human loss. Why? Because it is a natural and necessary part of life. Matthew 5, 4, these are the words of Jesus. One of the first things he says when he's preaching, when he comes on the scene. And again, this is one I'm gonna have us read it together, nice and loud. Ready, go. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. See, the promise of comfort, it's not given to those who skip uh, mourning and move into dancing. It's not those who skip the weeping and move into laughing. It's not for those that try to avoid grief like we often do, using rationalizations, compartmentalization, religion, busyness, drinking, numbness, distraction. Blessed are those who mourn, who press into their loss. The pastor that I mentioned earlier, uh, that pastor Albert Tate, gave this really great message on grief. Um, and, and, and he said this line, and I thought it was so good. Um, I made it into a point. You can write this down. Jesus gives you an invitation to mourn, but you must give yourself permission. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's an invitation. Jesus invites you to mourn. He invites you to grieve. There's nothing unspiritual about it. If it was unspiritual, if it was sinful, Jesus wouldn't have done it. It is a natural and normal part of the broken human experience. And Jesus will not force you into it and he will not hurry you through it. But the promise is if you step into it, he will too. That he will comfort you there. Jumping in verse 35 again. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Super valid question. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved. So we see him overcome again with emotion. Came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been in there four days. <clears throat> then Jesus said, did I not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of God? Okay, let's, let's pause there. I wanna circle back again, if the, if the Lord allows, sometimes I have plans for the message, sometimes he, he does what he wants to do. We know that Jesus will raise Lazarus. I wanna talk about that next week when we talk about Jesus as our healer, but... Um, Let's, let's talk about this part because we kind of skip over this part real quickly so that we can get to the miracle, but this part is super key. As he moves towards the tomb and it's like a, it's like a cave with a stone rolled over the front, Jesus is deeply moved again. And he says, roll away the stone. And Martha says, but Lord. And you almost get the image, this is not in scripture, you almost get the image of like it's Jesus and the tomb and Martha standing between them. She says, but Lord, by this time, there is already a bad odor. He's been in there four days. Remember, we talked about after three days, there was nothing but hopelessness. And if you really look at what she's saying, if you compare her loss to our own, if you compare her situation to our own, if you compare the way that we often react to the Lord in these spaces, it's almost like she is saying, Lord, you can't go in there. 
I can't have you go back to that area of my life. That's an area that I, I once hoped, I once prayed. I looked for you for days that felt like years and you did not show up. I cried until I did not have any tears left. And if you go in there and I have to smell my brother's body again, then every wound that I've worked so hard to seal off will be opened up again. I can't have you go back in there. It's too painful. And that's often how you and I treat grief, especially when we've skipped over the grieving. Like we haven't, we've partially done it or we haven't really done it. Sometimes we don't wanna let the Lord back in there because that, that space, it's actually too painful in that moment. Sometimes we work so hard to keep Jesus out of the places that he longs to heal. Sometimes we work so hard to keep Jesus out of the places that he longs to heal. Sometimes you and I, we have this habit of we just try to just suck it up. I'm just gonna try harder. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the Bible more. I'm gonna do more Bible study. And, and we kind of really don't feel much in our faith. And sometimes, sometimes, not every time, but sometimes we're looking for God in all these blessed spaces. Meanwhile, he is waiting for us in the broken spaces. So maybe if, if your faith kind of feels like that, you feel like you're just going through the motions and you're trying and really nothing's happening. Sometimes, not every time, sometimes you're looking for God in the blessed spaces, but I tell you, he is waiting for you in the broken spaces. And he is inviting you. He's actually in, inviting you to come to that space with him. We've lost a lot over the last two years. I would imagine there are all people and there are all things that you and I have not properly grieved. Understand that the Lord does not want to rush you around it, but he wants to meet you, walk with you, maybe even sit with you in it. You can write this down. Let the Lord into your loss. And if, if there's one thing that I hope you do, if, if there's one thing that I hope you do, after this message is that you would begin to step into that loss. And sometimes the way you and I step into it, first it is just acknowledge, acknowledging that the void exists. Sometimes it is being honest with God. I know that feels unspiritual to be honest, to be mad with God, but I tell you about one third of the Psalms are all negative. We only read the happy Psalms, the ones that are like, oh, joy to the Lord, praise the Lord. But really there, there's a lot that are written from a deep, dark space. Would you meet the Lord with you? And I'll, I'll tell you again, it's, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still processing like to be in like, to write a message for other people and then to be like, I'm, I'm literally sitting with you right now. There's this book uh, called Grace Disguised. And this man named Gerald Sitzer, he writes this book and he reflects on the loss of his mother, his wife and his daughter all at once in a tragic car accident. I, can't, I cannot even imagine. I really can't. And he, he writes about how the, he chose not to run from his loss, but actually to walk into the darkness, letting the experience and letting God transform his life because he learned, this is so profound. He learned that the quickest way to reach the sun and the light of day was not to run west chasing after it, but to head east into the darkness knowing that eventually the sun would rise again. 
that the quickest way to the sun in the light of day, it was not to run west like you and I often do, where we try to just stay a little bit ahead of the darkness. We try to just catch the sunset. Maybe there's a couple beautiful moments and we kind of forget about what we've been through or what we've lost. And Gerald says, no, 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 you don't go that way because the Lord is waiting for you this way. And the quickest way to the to the sunrise is actually to walk into the darkness knowing the Lord will meet you there and knowing that no matter how painful the loss may be, knowing that the sun will rise again. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I wanna pray for you and and then I'm gonna kind of give you an action step after we pray, but I just, I I wanna pray now, I wanna pray first. And so here's what I I wanna do. If you're watching from home, And and what I want to do is I want to pray for those of you here and at home that you are grieving right now. And and know that I'm going to be like, I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you actually stand like in a moment. So just to prepare you. If you're online, I'm going to have you drop an emoji in the chat, like prayer emoji or just, just say, pray for me. Just drop something in the chat to let us know that you're grieving right now. Doesn't have to be a person, can be something, can be a thing a loss that you've had in your life. For some of you, it could be somebody that you've lost many, many, many years ago. My mom told me last year, she said, I'm, I'm grieving my dad. So I'm, I'm grieving my dad this year. And it's amazing. I've never, met, I've never met my grandfather. He had a heart attack before I was born. And grief has a way of doing that. It floods in at these random times. So my mom was grieving last year, somebody she lost over 40 years ago, probably longer than that. So I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have you stand. If you're grieving or you know you need to grieve and you just haven't really done it. And so again, if you're at home, let us know in the chat. And if you're here in service, we're not gonna have you come up or anything like that. We wanna pray for you right where you are. So would you just stand right where you are? If you're, if you're grieving right now, could be a loss from a long time ago, could be a, a recent loss, could be a person, could be a thing. I know all my staff will be standing. Or it could be that you know you should be grieving and you just haven't been able to. Like, it's like you've just kind of been numb this whole time. Maybe 10 years ago it happened and you've been numb. And so here's what we're going to do, church family. Those of you that are sitting or if, if you're staff, would you just extend a hand? Don't lay a hand on anybody because of COVID, obviously. Just extend a hand to anybody standing up, anybody that's near you. Scripture says if, if, if one part hurts, First Corinthians 12, one part hurts, we all hurt together. Lord God, I, I thank you for every person that is standing right now. And, and for some of them, for some of us, this is gonna be the first time that we're even acknowledging that we're grieving. And that, that's a good thing. That is a very good first step. That is the place that you long to meet us many times. And Lord, for those at home, though they, they write something in the chat, Lord, you see them. You know them, you know their loss. And the most amazing thing about our God, about you, Lord, is that you paused to weep. And if you are a God who does not change, you're the same yesterday and today and forever, then that means, Lord, you still grieve with us. We thank you that you are a God of comfort. We thank you that you are a wonderful counselor. God, we thank you that you care. In the book of Psalms, it says that you bottle up every single tear that's ever fallen from our face. 
Psalm 34, that you're near to the brokenhearted, you save those who are crushed in spirit. That there's a special presence that you bestow upon the broken. There's a special heart that you have for us. And so Lord, my simple prayer is as we step into this space, Lord, that you would meet us there. You're not there to rush us through it. You're not there to try to hurry us up and say, hey, have faith, they're in heaven, it's all good. Like you're, you're there to just feel alongside us. Would we know what it means that you are a prince of peace? Would we know what it means that you are our wonderful counselor? And I pray, Lord, that as we continue, because this is, for many of us, this is the really the beginning of grieving or grieving yet again. Would you continue to meet us here again and again and again? We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your matchless and holy name. And we all say together, church, amen. We can give the Lord a hand this morning. We hope you were blessed by this weekend sermon. If this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to check out our website, newhopeleeward.org, to learn more about us and how you can get connected into our ohana. We hope you'll join us again soon.